0: Good morning, family. As we come to this amazing story in the Advent series this month, we come highlighting the advent of God. And we can't look at this morning's passage without telling you about these three men who were on a journey to worship the king. This story today is one of my favorite narratives in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's a favorite because it reveals what it's like to want a journey to see Jesus. See, according to our text today, the author suggests that Jesus has already made his great advent into the earth. He's already been born of a little virgin girl whose name is Mary. She and her husband... We're residing in a place that's called Bethlehem. And it's there in this little city of Judea that the scripture has been fulfilled. At the same time that the scripture has been fulfilled, there are people who are wanting the fulfillment of the promises of God. And it's on the backdrop of that information that RCC, we get to see these wise men come now on the scene. Now, when they come, they come as a reminder to you and I how we ought to come when it's time to worship Jesus. See, we too, as a church, we ought to come ready, beloved. We ought to come ready. We ought to come willing. We ought to come excited to have the privilege To worship the miracle in the manger. I learned in this passage these things. That the wise men knew why they came to worship. The wise men knew who they came to worship. And the wise men knew the opportunity they had in worship. The wise men knew that this was the greatest king that there ever was and ever would be. Can I get a witness right there? There are four things I think we can take away from this sermon today. And here they are. Let's look at the wise men's observations on the journey. The wise men's obstacles on the journey. The wise men's opposition on the journey. And the wise men's opportunities on the journey. And I'll unpack them for us each as we go. In verse number one, the Bible says, Now it was after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and it was in the days of Herod the king, that behold, wise men from the east, they came to Jerusalem. And when they came, they said, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Beloved, when we arrive at these first two verses of this text, you and I have the privilege to discover some key observations on the wise men's journey. First of all, when they come, yes, they come as people who see or rather recognize that Jesus has been born, but he's been born into a dark and troubling world. See, the Jews were living in oppression to the Roman government at that time. They were under the rule of a pseudo king whose name was Herod, who worked for Rome. And Herod's job as king was to oppress the Jewish people. Herod hated the Jews and he wanted nothing to do with them. It was his delight to make their living miserable. So when you and I see Jesus in this passage, he is born into poverty. He's born into oppression. He came into the world in a difficult time, a difficult space and in a difficult culture. The second observation in this passage is that there are three wise men who come on the pages of scripture for the very first time. The wise men here, originally the word is called the magi, and it literally means in our English definition, magician. See, these Gentile men, the magi, were philosophers, priests, astronomers. They were learned people. According to scholars, they lived among the Persians and the the Arabians. They they were learned men from the Eastern nations. And they were devoted to astronomy, religion, and medicine. They were held in what some called high esteem with the military courts of their countries. And their their kings or rulers appointed them as counselors to what we might call as generals of their armies. These wise men advised kings, advised uh, infantrymen, uh, soldiers. And, And according to scholars, these men had great intelligence, but they also had a hunger for truth. They were men who were looking for God. They they, they were brothers who had devoted their lives to studying the scriptures. They were Gentiles who knew the prophecies of Daniel, Micah, and Isaiah. And at the same time, they had nothing in common with the Jews. At the same time, they had nothing in common. With Judaism, but God, yes, had revealed himself unto them and they desired now to come and worship him. And here's what I learned in that passage. They came on the scene with what I call God questions. The Bible says when they showed up in Jerusalem, they asked the question, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. I like this right here because it shows for you and I that the wise men coming on the scene, searching for God, they had what was called as partial truth, but they didn't have all of the truth. They were seekers. They knew he was born because God had given them a sign in the scriptures. But they didn't know exactly where he was located. And here's here's the application for you. Every now and then, God reveals himself to sinners, unbelievers with small signs. And many people don't know where he is or how to get to him. But they have had an encounter with him. And just like the wise men, they want to know where they can find this God. And here it is. The wise men knew from their study that a king was coming who was going to be the greatest king that there ever was. They knew because God had given them a sign, beloved, and they followed this star to see if God would reveal himself to them. Now, notice this. They did not worship the star, but rather they followed the star. See, they didn't worship the star, but they came to see if they could find the one who made the stars. They came with a question to those who lived and who knew about the coming of the king. They came and asked because they, too, wanted to worship him. And can I tell you today, RCC, there are still some people in the world who are longing to look for Jesus. And just like the wise men, they are people who are on a mission to find him. Just like the wise men, there are people who are still driven to get into his presence. Don't get discouraged at what you see in the headlines and on the virtual uh, interactions that we have. There are still some people who are hungry for Jesus. And every day, guess what? They're wandering all around us. How do I know? Because the same God, that gave these men a sign is giving people signs every day. Sometimes they even in here on Sunday morning, do you know where he is? Sometimes they're wondering your jobs and your cubicles with questions, desiring to see him. Sometimes they're wondering, Walmart, where you at, right? Wanting to see him. They want to know where is the king of salvation? Do you know him? Do you know can find jesus and i just bet right here in naperville there's a lot of families looking for the savior this coming christmas can i get a witness right there listen beloved some of you were just like these wise men too at one time you were hungry for god at one time you had questions about where he is at one time you desired To remember or find him. Do you remember what that was like? Let me get off my notes for a minute. Do you remember what that was like? That time you were hungry for God. Where you couldn't get enough of worship. You couldn't put the word down. You couldn't get away from small groups and C groups. Do you remember what it was like to worship after him? To weep after him? To be in prayer groups? Do you remember that? Don't forget that. Because there are some people, young and old today, that are right there desiring, like these wise men, to see Jesus. We've looked at the wise men's observations. Let's look now at the wise men's obstacles on their journey. The Bible says in verse 3, when Herod the king heard these wise men, he was troubled and All, you should circle that in your Bibles, of Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, this is Herod, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, Herod, he's to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. For it is written by the prophet, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. All right, so you see, when we come to this next portion of the passage, we get to see the wise men encounter what I call as obstacles on their journey to worship Jesus. Let me show you what I'm talking about. When they come to Jerusalem, they came to get instructions on how to find the one that the scriptures have been talking about. But instead of getting instructions or information, they got what I call as obstacles on the journey. See, in Jerusalem is where they should have received help. In Jerusalem, they should have found answers to their God questions. In Jerusalem is where they should have gotten refreshed on their journey. But when they got to Jerusalem, nobody would help them find the king of glory. Stay with me, RCC. It gets better in here. Listen, when they got to Jerusalem, nobody would direct them to where to find Jesus. The Bible said, Herod, and all of Jerusalem. That means everybody. They were troubled at this God question. See, Herod was troubled because he ruled the Jews with an iron fist. And to him, this question means that a new king has come. And if a new king comes, then perhaps he's going to overthrow the old king. Secondly, The Jewish people were troubled because they should have been paying attention to the prophecy, but they had a lack of interest in the arrival of the Messiah King. In fact, if the Messiah King is now come, that means that new leadership and demands must happen in their lives. So here it is, instead of waiting and desiring for the Messiah to come, the Bible says they were troubled. They were troubled at all this. Uh, Lastly, Pastor John, I think you'll appreciate this, Pastor. They were troubled because Bethlehem was only 10 miles away. That means that the new king was too close for comfort. There was trouble because if you weren't looking for the Messiah, you didn't want to change your life, and all of a sudden now the Messiah is coming, that that ought to cause some trouble in your life. And here's what I learned, brothers and sisters. They knew what the prophecy said, but they would not share it with the wise men. The Bible says that it took for Herod, this evil king, to get all the chief priests and scribes of the people together and inquire of them, is this question true? Is there a new king coming? And they said to him, verse five, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet, you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What an alarming fact. Beloved, so it is today for many people who are looking for Jesus. Instead of getting answers and directions, you know what they get? Opposition. Opposition on their journey to wanna to worship Jesus. Sometimes I can't hardly believe how hard it is in North America to find the one who's responsible for saving humanity. It's unfortunate that some who know about the word of God, who know about Jesus, Are not willing to help those who desire to know him. Wow. Is that you today? Are you holding on to the treasure of life and refuse to give it away? There are many hearts, many hearts, beloved. Instead of wanting to share Jesus, we'll rather keep doing what they're doing and instead of seeing other lives changed. We see it in churches all over the world. Churches all over the world don't allow others into their ministries, others into their congregations. What's that about? When the church exists for the broken, the lost, not just your tribe. I'm hunting for an amen right there. See what this means? It means that the coming of the king is trouble for them. The real king might make, yeah, Their financial gain traveling for them. The real king might make people worship him instead of their own tribes and riches. When the real king comes, he might make people serve him rather than other things. So it troubles many people who know Jesus to know that he's coming again. In fact, they get nervous when they say, Wilson, don't preach about that stuff. Don't preach about the stuff that the Bible talks about, because it makes us uncomfortable. Well get uncomfortable, beloved, because he's coming. And he is coming, and those of us who know him, Miss Sandy, we have a responsibility to share what we know. I'm hunting for an amen right there. We've looked at the observations on the journey. We've looked at the obstacles. On the journey. Let me show you now. The opposition on the journey. Miss Sharon the Bible says in verse 7 and 8. That then Herod. After getting that news. Watch this. Look at how, how evil he is. He secretly called the wise men. And determined from them. What time. That the star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Wow. Beloved, this portion of the text gets exciting for me. When we come to this portion of the story, We see what I call as real opposition come to the wise men on their journey. See, the pseudo-king, Herod, called a secret meeting with the wise men when he couldn't get the Jewish folks to give up information, more specific information, about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem other than what the scriptures said. Herod, according to this passage, summons the wise men in private. And here's what he shows to you and I. Herod really has a motive to kill Jesus. So he encouraged these wise men to go look for Jesus, and when they find him, go ahead and worship him. And then come back and tell him that he can come. And worship him. Here, here you go. Let me say it like this: Harris says, "Go and bow down, and tell him how wonderful he is. Go and honor him with all your heart. Go on, worship your king. Go ahead, take him an offering. That this is diabolical, beloved, in so many ways, because it's a reminder to me just how bad." Opposition to worshiping Jesus really is. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. And he didn't care. He didn't care that the wise men would go and worship him. The diabolicalness in his voice is this, come back and tell me. So then I can go. No, 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 Herod, you don't want to worship him. Because if you wanted to worship him, you would follow the wise men. And go with them to find the Jesus in the scriptures in the manger. If Herod really wanted to worship, he would have got his own offering and followed them to the worship location. If Herod really wanted to worship, he would have dropped everything to come see the real king in the manger. But Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. He, didn't want, he wanted to assassinate the work of God in the earth. Herod did not want to worship Jesus because that would mean he was paying reverence to another king. Here's the application. A lot of people today that we know are just like Herod. On Sunday morning, they don't mind you going to worship. Just so when you return, they can kill the word of God in your heart and in your head and in your mind. They can't wait to make fun of you on the job because you spent your Sunday at the feet of Jesus. They want to assassinate the ministry of the word in your heart. They don't want to worship Jesus, but they'd rather destroy the joy and the peace that comes from the worship gathering. Why? Because a king like Jesus is a threat to those who want to be on the throne of their own lives. Beloved, I'm coming down now. We've looked at the observations on the journey. We've looked at the obstacles on the journey. We've even examined the opposition on the journey. Let me land the plane now by showing you the opportunities they had on the journey. The Bible says in verse 9 that when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, that star which they had seen in the east, it went before them again until it came and it stood over where the child was. This is such a beautiful portion of this pericope. Let me tell you why. When you come to the last portion of this story, we discover several opportunities that the wise men receive on their way to worship Jesus. The first thing we see is that they receive an opportunity to remove themselves from the confusion in Jerusalem. I almost overread that this week, Brother Norm. Secondly, I look in this text that when they remove themselves from Herod's presence, guess what? That's when they receive The sign again from the Lord. They had to get out of the presence of the one who did not want to see him. Here it is. God intended for them to worship him. He had a plan for these seekers, these wise men to bow down and meet the Savior. And the same sign they saw in the east, it appeared to them again. This time, it took them right where The king was located. And I learned from this voice, this verse. God, yeah, has a way to direct you to the place where he needs you to be. I need an amen right there. See, God has a way of showing you where he's working. Showing you that you may come and worship him. So when your way gets confused, Look for his sign. You said, what's his sign, pastor? His sign is the word. See, where the word of God is being preached. That's the place. Hey, that felt good right there. That's the place where you ought to come and worship him. Good music is great. Good food is great. Good fellowship is great. But if the word ain't there, real worship ain't there. You ought to tell your neighbor, I believe that's right. Listen, where the word of God is being taught, that's the place to worship him. You can look, beloved, and look and look, but if the word is not there, oh, Lord, the presence of God is not there. Why? He uses the word to teach and instruct his congregations, his family, his church. The Bible said in verse 10, and I'm trying to hurry to a close, when they saw the star they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And the Bible says, And they fell down and worshiped him. And then when they had opened their treasures, look at this, beloved, look at what happens in worship. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here's what I discovered. The wise men in this opportunity, they got another rather opportunity when they found the king and found the word. They got an opportunity to worship him. Everything they had been traveling for had come to pass. All the long nights over the hills, over the mountains, in the valleys, in the deserts had now been worthwhile. And their journey is made sweet because they have finally seen the one who is the king of salvation, who is their hope, who is their peace, who is their life, who was the savior that was prophesied to come. And when they found him, hallelujah, the Bible says they worshiped him. The word for worship right here is such a powerful word. Let me share it with you. It's the Greek word proskuneo, and it means to bow down and prostrate oneself before he who is worthy. Uh, let's see if I can make this live. We used to have the cutest little hound dog, and her name was Lucy. I was Lucy's favorite out of all the family. Miss Sandy, how I knew I was her favorite, whenever I would come home, climb the stairs in Birmingham, Alabama, Lucy would run to the door and she'd wait for daddy. And when i come in the door, she'd do this. And I would lick my, put my hand down there and she'd lick my hand as daddy's precious little girl. Lucy was practicing proscuneo, which means I worship the one who provides for me. Can I say some more? That's what God wants for you. When you come into the house for worship, he wants you to have a heart that proskineses before him, that bows, that worships him, that says you're my provider. You're the reason why I'm here. Sorry, I'm getting loud. I felt my volume go up right there. But that's what God wants out of worship. I think we may worship a spectator sport, beloved. We come and look around. Look what she got on here. Mm. Look what he got up. He must have had a long night. And worship is about none of those things. It's bowing before God. And then we learn something else about worship here. They brought him gifts. Did you see that? First of all, they brought him gold. They brought him frankincense. And they brought him myrrh. Scholars, Dr. Cho, help me to work through this. They said they brought gold because as a king... He was, first of all, a poor king, and gold would help mom and daddy as they raised this poor king in the earth. Secondly, they brought frankincense. As a god, incense in that day and in that tradition was, was beautiful and an act of worship. Frankincense would remind him of his deity as he raised. And then third, they brought him myrrh. Myrrh in those days was used for embalming the dead. So though he was the king, though he had come to save, he was a man. And part of his, yes, ministry would mean he had to die. Everything they brought Jesus as an act of worship, he can use in the earth. Here I come. Stay in your seat. Don't get too happy. Don't jump right here. But everything in your worship, God ought to be able to use. He ought to be able to use your humility in the earth. He ought to be able to use your integrity in the earth. He ought to be used everything you give to him as an act of worship for his ministry. In the earth. Well, I thought you'd get excited right there. I'm going to land a plane now. As they say on the airplane, if you'll put your trays in the upright position, fasten your seat belts were coming in for a landing. That was such a beautiful passage. I almost missed verse 12. Elder, huh? I almost missed it. Bible then Arrested me and said, and then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their country another way. This portion of the scripture arrested me because here we discover that God would not let them go back and give Herod the report. Did you see that? They were not to go and share where they found Jesus. See, they were not to share the good news to the person who pretended they wanted to hear it, but really didn't want to hear it. This really blessed me right here, Elder Ken, because I find this to be incredibly insightful that a divine message came in a dream For them to do nothing with Herod. As believers, we too ought to pay close attention in this culture when God gives us a warning about certain people. We need to pay attention when the Spirit of God has warned you, beloved, to have nothing to do with people who don't want nothing to do with God. Pay attention to that. God is speaking. The text says, they went back home, but they went another way. (laughs) They didn't go back the same way they came. So it reminds me that the wise men, they had it right. They had found the king of the Jews. That star pointed them in the right direction. Herod thought he was the king of the Jews. But Herod was misinformed. You see, the new king, yes, he came to establish the new kingdom. The old king had established his kingdom, but Jesus was coming to do battle with the satanic king out on an old rugged cross. This new king, he wouldn't be born in a castle, but rather in a manger. The new king, will not stroll castle grounds, but rather he'd walk the dusty streets in Palestine. The new king will not eat at fancy or royal tables, but rather he would dine in the cornfields on the Sabbath day. The new king will not be caught riding on fancy stallions, but rather he'd be seen on a donkey riding into Jerusalem. The new king will not be crowned prince of the palace, but rather he'd be crowned the prince of peace. The new king, he wouldn't have a star-studded crown, no RCC, but he'd receive a crown of thorns to wear upon his head. The new king will not receive praise and adoration, but rather he'd receive jeers and insults the new king will not receive a royal scepter on earth but rather he'd get stripes on his back the new king will not be accepted yeah by common folk but rather crucified instead the new king would not be treated as royalty but he would die in the presence of two thieves. See, the new king was not born for pleasure, but he was born to die for our sins out on the old rugged cross. The new king would not have a royal feast in his name, but rather a public execution to give you and I a new name. The new king would not receive a pardon from the court, but rather a crucifixion from the court. The new king was buried, and here's why, to conquer death, hell, and the grave. The new king would rise again with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. The wise men, when they found the Savior on their journey, they found the king of glory. And I'm so glad today that they came to worship him. My question to you this Advent season is every day will you worship him? Every day will you offer up your life as a sacrifice for the one who offered up his life for you. And all God's children said, amen. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this wonderful reminder of what it looks like to be on a journey to worship the king. We thank you so much for the template that the wise men give us. How to be observant on our journey. How to know that there will be obstacles. There will be opposition, but you also give us opportunities. And so this moment and this opportunity, we bow to tell you thank you. We come now to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.